Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of taking care, taking our 40s, what is it, 70 plus years of experience and making sure that you have an awesome, awesome game, you know, uh, and bringing out all the secrets that you thought you knew or you didn't know. And that's what we're here for. By the way, folks, that's not an even split. He does have more years than I do. <laughs> it is true. Yeah, I well, have more uh, years than Trav. Oh, yeah. Trav, oh, is, Trav is our junior member. Oh, yeah. And uh, even when we had John, uh, and it was only when we had Peter that Trav was, wasn't the ju- junior most member. Right, yeah. But anyways, uh, so this week we are talking about gaming hacks. And these are things, you know, um, tactics, techniques, ideas these are things that we have learned in so many different games and genres and things over the years and sometimes people just don't have any clue about them they just they're totally floored when we start doing it uh when you do some of these things but they can really make a big difference to the enjoyment you have in the game and the success that you have in the game so that's what we're going to be doing this week and uh and and a lot and and I and I'm my 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 worshiping of this deity is training me to try to find answers that are good for everybody, but sometimes I'm willing to do what's good for me. <laughs> it, it actually got very funny. At one point, we decided we had to kill this bad guy, and we actually got into a fight amongst the party as to who was going to be able oh, to do it. Geez. And I'm the chaotic neutral, the chaotic goods, and the lawful good. We're, tr- we're, we're basically saying, no, no, we'll take care. <laughs> I'm like going... Okay. Listen, they're with the popcorn. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, I'm really the person who shouldn't have a problem with this. But if you're okay with it, Mr. Paladin, killing a uh, oh, a, a prisoner uh, who's tied up and unconscious, go ahead. I won't stop you. Why am I reminded of the old dragon cartoon where you see the paladin with a shield with like a daisy, a heart? a puppy and a unicorn on it, and his sword is sticking right through this character who's looking down at it, and there's the monk at a wall phone with, you know, the little open door. Hello, DM, I'd like to report an alignment violation. Yeah. <laughs> That's it right there. You got the, you're, you're, the lawful good paladin is condoning killing a prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. And as I said, yeah. your guy's there with the popcorn. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, if that's what you want to do, don't say I don't say I I, uh, I, I got in your way because I surely did not. Did you at least offer him a bargain? Hey, I know this guy who can cast atonement spells. <laughs> no, no, I think I, I Damn it. like the paladin. <laughs> I consider the paladin to be a pain. Now, my character does. I personally am good friends with this person. Well, yeah, but still, it's like you know, yeah, the paladin can... is a huge pain. Well, uh, and, are, and I'm like, right. okay, you know, so if he's if he goes and you know has to do a little bit of atonement, that's fine with me. 
Oh. See, what he calls atonement, I call everyday prayers. <laughs> I'm constantly praying to my deity, saying, well, I didn't quite do things as well. I didn't follow the high road as much as I wanted to. Thank you for still believing in me and leading me and, and, and allowing me to go up levels and, and become a better servant of you. So, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's just... I'm constantly apologizing to my God. Yes, it's okay. You sound like Larry the Cable God. Lord, I apologize. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, please forgive me. <laughs> All the starving pygmies. All right. Yeah. So, um, okay. Five. So, here's something that I just amazes me more than anything. Else. Now, it really is uh, system based in this, uh, as to why whether or not you can do this, but it amazes me how people. Who have multiple spell slots or the ability or multi, lots of uh, spell points? They cast a spell and they just work that one spell. They don't like cast multiples of that spell. So, for example, in D and D, spiritual weapon. There's nothing in the game that just says you cannot cast multiple times. No, no, no. And, and folks. Flaming Sphere is another one I checked. That was the second one I was going to mention, yes. Oh, you know, no, I've, I've had yeah. people use both of those spells. As a matter of fact, in my last Sunday game that, that Amber, the aforementioned Amber was in, playing the Water Priestess, she told me, though, yes, I want mostly water spells. I am, because I fashioned this mage after, what is it, the Tamer of the Rivers sect of the Thrysis magic from World of Darkness. This is that whole... Time Lords and Magic campaign that Perky, Perky Goth and I do. So, yeah, I gave her all these water spells. I read through all the books, all the, the Pathfinder Splat books, and then she looks at me from across the table and says, Trav, I do want Flaming Sphere, though. And I'm looking, going, going a little bit against type there, Amber. She goes, well, one, it's a spell I know how to use. Two, there are times when you are cold and you have people you need to heal that you just need to keep them warm. And as long as I concentrate, you have this globe of fire. It keeps it warm. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying. I'm like, I can't find a damn hole in her logic. But the last game we played, she flanked the opponent with flaming spheres. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dear God. And I, I forget what other player did it with spiritual weapon. They, they sent, like, three spiritual weapons after this person. And I'm just imagining my NPC villain running like, you know, he's being attacked by a swarm of bees. But it's these force hammers pelting. <laughs> so yeah, if you can check to see if you can have multiple versions of an attack spell going that you can just manipulate like a troop, go for it. Just yeah, yeah. It, it, I I I'm always amazed that, that that we don't see more of this. I mean, something's obviously. You, I mean, you can't do, like, multiple spirit guardians, you know, because, A, it's a concentration spell, which means that you cast it again, you just lost the last. Yeah, right. You know, but, I mean, but earlier versions of D&D, &D, you know, they didn't have concentration. A lot of times, you could cast just tons of these things, just one after another, as long as you had the points for it. Uh, and, or if you had multiples, you know, uh, multiple spellcasters. And, or if you had scrolls, and people... Oh, yeah, you know, that, yeah. People always underutilize scrolls. Because they're always like, if I use it, it's going to be gone. Yes, use it. <laughs> it doesn't do you any but good. But in the meantime, you, the, we yeah. have another lightning bolt we can cast. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Anyways, it's uh, and a lot of times it, it it's been written down on the on the on the vellum at a much higher level than you are. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, okay, you can cast your 6d6 fireball, or you can cast this 11d6 fireball off the scroll. Will that make a difference? Try it. Find out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't make any difference if you don't cast it. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Um, all right. Um, go to number six. If low armor use movement... Okay, if you're low armor, use movement to put the meat shield between you and the monsters. Retreating is good if you have ranged attacks. No, no, get it right. It is a strategic withdrawal. That's right. <laughs> See, Bruce and, the Bruce and I both being, you know, published role-playing game designers, we have the command of the English language at our disposal, so <laughs> euphemism is wonderful. It's never a right. retreat. It's a strategic withdrawal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean you're not le you're you're not exposing your fellow party members if you pull back, leaving them to be attacked by the monsters. But you're also firing, you know, you're also attacking them because even in in first edition, um, they um, you know a lot of times you uh, you could like you could you could do movement and you know it just have to be movement and then you use your weapons. Okay, a lot of times you could move, use your weapon, keep moving, use your weapons, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, uh, if you got low hit points, uh, move, get back. You know, uh, it's, it's somebody else's job to, to stand between you and the monsters. Okay, Bruce, did you see Farscape, the Peacekeeper Wars, the two-hour or the four-hour uh, series wrap -up? I have, but I'm not an expert on it. I've only seen it once. Okay, well, there's the scene where Scorpius was trying to fake the command code, and it didn't check out. So what did John do? Pull out Winona, put Scorpius in front of him, and walk backwards, and all the our, all the blasts bounced off Scorpius's body suit. <laughs> Exactly. He goes, nice armor. Is that coming blue? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sure. But yeah, yeah as soon as I read... You, yeah, I mean, look, it, I just, again, it just it just drives me crazy sometimes where people just, you know, they, they, they just stand there and take it when they don't have to. Now, again, some games... You know what they do is they say, "Oh well, you can do a you know reach, uh, a a a withdraw you know uh, a move, but that means you can't attack." And they're all like, "Oh yeah, but I mean, I know this guy's just like one hit point away from going down. Yeah, you're one attack away from going down. Also, take the retreat." Yeah, remember it only takes me rolling a nat twenty to get that crit in. Yeah, it's amazing how often the GM rolls that crit when you don't when you don't retreat. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's it'll come up. Yeah, it it's it that has happened. I've almost dropped people because I, I roll that twenty, but then uh, I don't confirm the crit, and I'm just looking at them like, you right now are the luckiest SOB on the planet. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah, and and sometimes what happens is when you retreat, the monster knowing that it only has, you know, a few hit points left. They'll retreat too because yeah. they no longer have to attack you because if they don't, you're going to attack them. Yeah, I mean, you know, morale comes in. That's another one where you know, you know it, it, yeah, that's make that morale check. Yeah, the aforementioned yeah, hit the rewind button, go back to where I was talking about morale. Um, but yeah, uh, that that's something that I notice a lot of players do. They'll they'll keep going and going. I'm like, okay, did you cast mage armor? Do you have your battle armor on? All this, no. Cover is your friend. 
And if you need to use the big beefy fighter in the full plate mail with the invulnerability special ability on it, fine. It's still cover. That gives you like a plus four to your armor class and a plus two to reflex saves against area effect damage. Use it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It just I, I noticed that. And it's like, no, and again, it's the Mike Tyson quote. You know, if you everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. Yeah, you think you're going to do this until the fire fight starts. Then you're diving behind things. Current concealment do wonders, and then that's why ranged attacks, you know, if you're firing while you're running looking for that low wall to hide behind, fine. Yeah. Ugh. And, and, if, and if someone says, oh, but Cavaliers never retreat, just hit that person. <laughs> oh, or, or like how Eric the Enabler used to do when, you know, he raises his hands. Okay. <laughs> just, yep. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that dig to my armor, uh, to my honor, yeah. and live. <laughs> yeah, well, honor does you no good when you're dead. It just you may get one or two songs written about you, but you're not doing much else. Yeah, or um, it costs a lot of money to get resurrected. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. And then you got, yeah, there, there. That's where all that saving. That's all that extra points for the mage you can go to. Yeah, resurrection fund. There you go. Right. Yeah. Or you know, on uh, this is a really expensive scroll. Well, okay. So how how much does it cost to do a resurrection? Uh, I think for resurrection, it's like 25, you need, in order to make the scroll, besides the normal material components, you need a diamond worth 25,000 gold pieces. So, resurrection yeah. scrolls are very expensive because of that added spell component. Right, so probably that, that 11th level fireball scroll is cheaper. Yeah. So use it. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, bribing works. Yes. You know, um, I, I don't want to become like a litany. I, I, I can't tell you how many times that it has shocked the GM when I've said, hey, you know, you look like a guy who's has a family. And we're not here to, like, cause you any problems or any other soldiers. We just have to go and do one thing, which in no way is going to threaten your lord. We just need you to step aside and let's go in and we'll be back. Within ten minutes, tops, okay, and and we'll give you half of this bag of gold now, and we'll give you the rest of it on the way out, because we're gonna you're gonna need to let us out. So okay, what do you so say? This is, okay, so this is bribing in and out of game. Gotcha. Okay, I'm, I'm reading all these. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, oh, no, yeah, there's no. there's another kind of bribing that happens later. <laughs> oh yeah, no, but um. Yeah, you it, and and in in OGL, it's a matter of the diplomacy skill and making you know either having the money or making a wealth check, depending on if you're doing modern or not. But right. you and the diplomacy surprised. skill is not in any way affected by how many hit points you have left. Nope. As long as you can talk and they understand your language, you're golden. Yeah. So you're you're basically at full strength when it comes to that sort of thing and. You know, and if the GM is a fair GM, th then the GM is treating his NPCs like real people who don't want to die. Right. And, you know, they may, you know, and I, I've had arguments in, in games where I just simply say, why are you making us kill you? We are obviously going to defeat you. Please just go away. You don't have to stay here. We will not attack you if you retreat. And they're all like, what? No. 
It doesn't work like that. And we're like, yes, it does. Well, that's you where, can't leave. Well, it's where you... Okay, and I'm coming up with this here. Firefly, and it was a flashback. It was the episode where Mal got shot and he was flashing back where he first, him and Zoe first met Jane. And he's like, what are your terms? I get 7% of the cut, and I got to share a bunk with him. I got to share a quarters with him. And it's this little skeezy guy who, you know, wipes his sleeve, you know, his nose at the back of his sleeve. Mal looks, 10% of the cut, and you get your own quarters. Jane's not still looking at Mal. He just points the gun to the other the, the other side of his boss and shoots him in the leg and walks over. <laughs> Bribery does wonders. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 for most of the of the uh of the monsters out there, you know, I mean, unless they're defending their home and you're going in to basically take everything that they have and well, kill off then, their entire if, tribe. Uh, even then, Ooh. unless it is someone of human level and I'm sure if you throw a haunch of meat to an orc. There's a good chance. Ooh, food. Yeah. They, it's already, they said it's already unintelligent tough. monsters have a 50% chance of stopping to eat food. And intelligent monsters have a 50% chance of stopping to pick up treasure. So if you're running and you're faster than they are, and they go and they say, well, we can't catch them now. Okay, I guess we'll go, let's go back. Yeah. But yeah, animals, of course, you throw food, they're going to go after it. it it's... Unless it's something where they're on, you know, it's like totally bloodlusted, ferocity type thing. But yeah, animals, yeah, no, they'll stop Territorial, food. you know, issues, yeah. But an intelligent monster, still, you throw something that they recognize. Ooh, what's this? Ooh. And like like I said with the orc. Oh, it's food and it's already pre-killed for my eating pleasure. Cool. Yeah, so it is a form of bribery, yeah. It's not just butcher monsters for meat. Oh, no, in the, the Time Lords and Magic game... Oh yeah, we've there have been times now. Let's see, in that campaign, we've killed three different dragons and three different adventures. Oh no, there's been some dragon meat, along with scales to make armor and stuff. Not and you know spell components because you know that dragon eye, dragon blood, all that stuff can be used for spell components. I'm sure. So yeah, oh no, it it's if you know the the monster is edible. Oh yeah, I mean owl bear, you gotta pluck it, but you know. Yeah. Ugh. Right, and you you know, and the monsters that you kill, you know, as part of your adventuring, you can cut up and feed them to other monsters. That is true. Yeah, it's like throwing chum to sharks. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, be, and so therefore, you don't even have to spend money on this. You just have to win your first battle, and then just start. <laughs> I just have an evil idea. You're sitting there facing the second monster, and you're chewing on you know what looks like a haunch or drumstick. What you got there? That was your pet dog. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> or that was yeah. your guard. <laughs> yeah, what? that that was that, that was the people guard. This is the guy that was guarding your door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you really want to go there? Do you, do you, do you want to even just don't put your hand on the sword? You'll be dessert. Just stop now. Because <laughs> we don't have to do this. We can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought so, of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and like I said, the, the meta gaming way of doing it is something I do, which is is that a lot of times, especially since I'm playing chaotic neutral, I'm always trying to get people into trouble, just, just a little bit, not not mean, 
but I like to I like to get them to do stuff just to see if I can do it. So like a lot and a lot of times what I the way I'll do it is is that I'll I'll be like okay I'm I'm tell you know I, and I says and I give the character a cookie from you know that I be, I have this bag of cookies that I I get from a, a bakery in town and they're really good cookies and so I said why don't you go first and I hand him a cookie at the same time I hand the player <laughs> a really good cookie. And it's amazing how the player will like, oh, okay then. And he takes the cookie and his character goes up front. And I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm laughing. Three times it has happened where I said, we should do this. And they're all like, no, no, we're not going to do this. And why are you telling us what we should do? By the time I was done, they all had cookies. They were all agreeing. And my entire slate of ideas had passed unanimously. Oh, wow. So it, it's amazing. Bribing works. Oh, and do not forget your GM. You know, there's a movie out called um, Dungeon Master, Dungeon Master, What Have You Done? And they, <laughs> they uh, where, you know, the Dungeon Master um, actually uh, summons a demon. Oh, and uh, and then he for, uh, and then he forces the demon to play a paladin. Oh. So, <laughs> but anyway, so they, his his group comes in, you know, and and as they come in, each one of them is like has a bottle of drink and a bag of chips or uh, you know something, you know, a beer and some cookies or a thing of M and M's and like that. And I'm like going like, where are these people? None of these people ever show up at my game. I have to bring all the snacks, you know. If you do, if you sh show up and give your GM treats, you know there's gonna come a time when the GM has to rule against you, or think he might have to rule against you, and she might decide eh, it's okay. We'll let it slide. I have in my Friday game, the Bureau Thirteen historical game. The one sit-in player, her name is Gina, lovely woman. She's an old friend of my roommates from the Renfest days. I have two bottles here, empty bottles here in my hand. One of them is Pim's, which is a British spirit that she made these cool summer drinks. It was the slices of lemon and lime, a little bit of cucumber, and some pepper, black pepper. And it was a wonderful, cool, refreshing summer drink. And then a few months back, she brought me Shram's Raspberry Heritage Mead. Now, also, this woman will bring dinner for me. Usually, she'll go to this, like, food commune out near U of M, University of Michigan. And I usually get... Um, Guatemalan tamales, either black bean and cheese or chicken and cheese, Spanish beans, and fried plantains. That is usually my dinner for my Friday night game, and Gina will stop by and get that and bring food for us. There are a few times there's a place downriver called Katrina's, and it is Mexico City-style quesadillas. So yes, bribing your GM does wonders, <laughs> especially since I'm usually starting my game at the most a half hour to an, after, an hour after I get home from work. So I'm not having time to eat. I'm setting things up, getting out my books and all this. So when Gina gets here, I have a decent dinner that I'm sitting there eating while I'm running the game. So yes, bribing your GM works. Because at the very least, yes, it puts them in a better mood. 
and it's just like the monsters in the dungeon. <laughs> just throwing the haunch. I just get yeah. past Guatemalan tamales, you know. Uh, yeah. And sooner or later, they're gonna they're gonna have they're gonna feel like you know they're gonna you get you're gonna be asking them to give you the benefit of the doubt. Like I said, I was over here. I didn't mention it at the time, but I really was, and I meant to say it, something like that. And, and a well-fed GM is gonna is much more likely to agree with that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just yeah. and and it's not favorite to. Um, first of all, she's the only sit-in player. I mean, my other players are in Baltimore and Omaha. They Skype in, but still, she I've I've helped her a lot with her character because she wasn't familiar with Pathfinder, and. So yeah, it, it we we have a mutual, a sim, symbiotic dynamic going, Gina and I, and just yeah, I wasn't expecting. I mean, I, I was figuring, okay, you know, Burke, no, she's bringing me these Guatemalan tamales. I'm like, oh my god, these are wonderful, and I never had plantains, so that was a, another plus. And now it, what is it? Well, I am, you know, I'll be there at work, and oh, Tam, Tam and plan for dinner? Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. <laughs> She brought me a, what was it, like pumpkin bread frosted with chocolate, and I forget what it was called. I want to say it was a pumpkin bug bar or something like that, because it had chocolate chips in it too. So I get these little things. Oh, yeah, I mean, oh, no, I, I explained to my, my current protege, Alice, when she was over and she saw the Shrams meat, goes, where'd you get that? I said, one of my Friday gamers who you will later meet, and she's since met Gina. She's like, wow, you do eat good. I said, I told you, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, so, yeah, it, it just, even if it's just, you know, the, the what is it, the typical gamer food, Cheetos and Mountain Dew, that's less you have to spend. Most GMs are hosting the game. I mean, I have this massive table in my living room where everybody sits on the couch or seat or pull out chairs. So I'm hosting the game, and usually it, people will bring food, like Colleen and Zeal bring pizza over or whatever, just... It's just nice. You know, you're over at somebody's house, you bring something, you know, like food or drink or whatever. It's just proper visiting etiquette. So, yeah, it, it a lot of great decisions. <laughs> Once again, Shepard Pulaski, Masters at Euphemism. <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah, it, it, bribery, as I said, it works in and out of the game. I never thought of the cookie to bribe fellow players. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's... I mean, the first two, yeah. Not a problem. Third one never occurred to me. And remember, folks, 30 years of gaming. 30 years of game mastering, 10 years, you know, player before that. Just, wow. I mean, I could really do some damage with that considering how well I know some of these players. I mean, Colleen yeah, and Z... Yeah, right. Yeah, Colleen and Z, I, I've each known 10 years. Josie, I heat up a plate of taquitos, and yeah, she'll... she'll her character would follow mine to the gates of hell. Uh... <laughs> I love you, Pixie. <laughs> oh no. Um, yeah, now I'm gonna have to start getting a list of people's favorite foods. Or wait a minute, do I do I smell you know peanut butter cookies? Why, yes, you do. <laughs> Why ever do you ask? <laughs> wait a minute, what do you want? Oh, I don't know what you could be talking about. <laughs> Trav's using cookies to bribe the rest of the players of the game. Yeah, I well, I have no idea what you're referring to. Yeah. Um. Oh, I just read the next one. Oh, oh, that's just yep. wrong. 
Well, come on, tell them. Oh, God. Okay, this is another patented Bruce Sheffer outline, folks. And I've, mm-hmm. I've done a few outlines, but no, the, the, this this is the guy here. It's, it's like the Sistine Chapel. And there's stuff, as I said, I'm seeing here that with my experience, I'm like, no. Well, no, this is... Okay, this is Bureau 13 level stuff here. Put yeah, this is more modern. Yeah. Put explosives in things like pens and leave them around to be picked up or hand them out. You can do this with business cards. Same for sleep and nerve gas and BZ gas? It's a it's a hallucinogenic. Okay. Make sure they can't be opened. Shock and awe works. Well, yeah, if your your person you hand the card to is tripping over, you know, the fact that a dragon's there in front of the fridge, yeah. Um Okay, explosive pens. Yeah, I'm sure Rich came up with that Bureau 13. A business card? If you can make a chemical that can be like, you know, heat activated by touch. A lot of those embossed business cards are relatively thick. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take a whole lot to, you know, put a uh, active layer inside of them. Yeah. Oh, no. no, I I have business cards that I've made for, you know, the GMing and the, the show and all that. Oh, no. Sleep and nerve. Okay, sleep gas. Yeah, a, a neurotoxin on the card. Just, that too. Yeah. Nerve gas. Yeah, neurotoxin. They touch a car and they fall and they're paralyzed. That, that, wow. Um, See, and the, and the thing is, is that, you know, when, you know, you just wait until, I mean, either you can trigger it or you just wait until they're affected. And then all of a sudden it's going to be really hard for them to resist you. And a lot of times, you know, in the case of sleep or whatever, they just drop to the ground and you're now free to go in and collect their phones and go through, you know, uh, clone their phones to get that information yeah. or drag them around and use their faces or their finger, their thumbs for biometric to get into their computer systems. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, if you're trying to kill them, then you don't have to, you know, you can just hand those things out, trigger them later, and they're gone. And you didn't have to you know, have some kind of uh, very dangerous assault, you know, for the same, you know, same thing. Now, uh, you know, some things are you're going to do uh, on an honorable basis, some things you're not, you know, but that, I'm just saying that was that almost any mundane object that is commonly found inside of a business or, um, or an organization can be um, altered like this. And people can act as mules for you, just bringing the stuff in. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you give somebody a, a, a container and says, these are full of um, uh, those uh, wristlet um, uh, glow-in-the-dark things. Yeah. You know, so you break them, you know, and, and it lights up, and you've got, you know, this glowy fluid. But the fact is, that glowy fluid is also has something else in it. And, you know, it's... You know, you can turn a really hard situation into practically a walkthrough if you're if you're smart about it. If you plan ahead and you do these things, and people don't, it just amazes me. I keep telling everybody in Bureau Thirteen, he says you have all the James Bond gadgets you could possibly want. Just tell me what you just write. The stipulation ever is just write down what it is that you're bringing with you, and I'll accept it. As long, you know, I, I usually do draw the line nerve gas because in Bureau 13, they're trying to keep good forces on their side. Right. Might have issues with poison and things yeah. like that. But most things won't have a problem with sleep gas or, you know, even as something. As long as it's non-lethal, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And um, 
And of course, um, you know, we talked about fire. All, all of a sudden, you know, they, they took that, that thing and stuck it in their uh, coat pocket. And now their coat's on fire because it suddenly ignited. Yeah. Okay, that's that's going to throw people off. Yeah, it doesn't all of a sudden, all the guards are running over to put the fire off you, and, and they're not looking at you, and you've got the drop on them. Yeah, and it's not like you need to have an explosive that, like, you know, turn you into blood soup. Just an explosive where it just, and all of a sudden, you, your coat's on fire. Yeah, explosive, most people think explosive, and they're thinking something that'll, like, take off their hand when they use it. It's like, no. No, you don't need to go that hardcore with an explosive. Just something that combusts, you know, something that, as I said, touch act, heat activated from touching it, or it's close to your body, or whatever. You know, yeah. I still you love know. the I still love the nerve gas business cards. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, see, a lot of them take effect because uh, when you take them out of their container, they're now air activated. Ah. So basically, you have an air fuse. Well, you could either act, start immediately, or there can be an air fuse. Where basically it's burning down, you know, through uh, through a chemical reaction that just doesn't show any fire or anything like that. You know, it's working its way through as a fuse because it's been exposed to air. Um, lots of things can do that, you know. And and by the way, as far as things that are like really dangerous and such, uh, you make a thin little layer. You fill it full of something like like metallic sodium that basically catches on fire, like crazy when exposed to the air just takes a little disruption for that poof smoke you know that that powder comes out and just explodes into a fireball and we're talking about you know like a teaspoon full of stuff less than that you've got a fireball going off in the midst of a whole bunch of people maybe a whole bunch of fireballs going off so yeah it's uh oh well sodium is air or it's water activated well one of them is air. I mean, I don't know whether it's, it's metallic potassium or metallic sodium. That sodium, one, I think, is the one you dump in water. In it. Okay, well, then it's probably like potassium that, that basically interacts with air. There's there are some there are some that they literally you know in their metallic form, most basic form, they will ignite in air, just air. So you just basically blow a whole bunch of it, you know, um, uh, into the air like from a pen, and you got a fireball going. Oh, okay. I like number nine. Same for bugs. Yes. Yeah. Bugs, you know, let the, let the people be your mules for bugs. Yeah. Just, you know, slip something in a pocket or if it is there in a pen, you know, pen be perfect because, yeah, you carry it everywhere and it's going to be right there in your pocket. It's going to be right there so it can pick up your voice and anyone close to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they're really nice pens, people are going to grab them up. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and they're going to stick them in their pockets and such and, you know, use them themselves, take it back to their offices. You, you know, you, if, you, uh, if you have them coded, you can find out where somebody's office actually is in the building if you're not sure. You know, if it's not laid out anywhere, you can basically use that, you know, by various kinds of, of uh, triangulation, figure out exactly where different people's offices are so, you can, so that night or whenever you can make your proper strike. You know, without having to worry about where's their office, you know, you know, and, you, know uh, you know, which is their window, you know, because every every window has curtains in front of it or they're mirrored or something like that. And you're like, no, it's you know, we know which one it is because we heard his voice, 
you know, it's it's pen number five five one, and it's sending a signal. We know exactly where it is. It's uh, three hundred feet up and fifty feet from the wall. Yeah, and it's so you know, it's, you know guy, exactly where it is. The information from that guy in the chair. Yep. Yeah. Oh. And of course, bugs. That's another big bureau thing where you could even have like, I think, put in the OGL version robot mice. Yeah, and well, that can... was actually uh, in the 1992 edition. Okay, it came, all right. It, it came out in one of the supplements. I think it was Haunts. Okay, uh, or yeah. Either Haunts or Hell Knight. I can't remember which one. Those are the two that they put out. Um, but yeah, uh, do uh, Dr. Something Bond, whatever, made these these uh, mice that were they were basically biomechanical. And they... Uh, uh, they didn't do a whole lot, but they were they, they basically you know looked exactly like mice, acted exactly like mice, but they were a mechanical and they could take a sample you know with their teeth and they could test voltages and uh, they could they, you know, they had a camera, black and white vision through the binocular through the eyes and just a bunch of stuff and they could crawl up and down through uh, ventilation sh shafts and even through some pipes. And you know, go play, get into places that normally they wouldn't be able to get to at all. And I think they had the ability to drop bug, drop bugs that looked an awful lot like droppings. Oh, okay. So there was a lot available on that little little thing, and and uh, according to Richard, uh, uh, only a team could only have one of them at a time because they were so difficult to make and so expensive. Oh, okay, yeah, of course. So you know. And, I, I I never I, I never cared about the expense side of it, but I used to say things like, "Well, yeah, it takes time to make one of these things." Well, yeah, it's, you're basically. And as soon as you give them to somebody, they immediately destroy them. You know that, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> That's why there isn't any, you know. <sighs> you know, we the the game I ran last night. You know, they, somebody had a molecular sword, and like, hey, I, I know something I want my character to have. I said, you know, there's a reason why these kind of artifacts are not available to you at Bangor, Maine. It's because somebody else is using them. <laughs> and they're not going to give it up to you just because you request it. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, the, the, the molecular cert. Yeah, we just gave out the last one. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. And then you're like, wait a minute, you have more than one? <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, that's happened too. There's, um, yeah, I'm surprised, well... You know, uh, a couple of the of the items that have disappeared um, uh, in the past, uh, they did some time travel. They the, the the present day character has, has, doesn't even ask about those items anymore, even though they might actually be available now, because the bureaus had plenty of time to study them and learn all they can about them, and now they're available to be used by agents. But he hasn't asked for them back because at the time they said, no, no, we're, we got to study them. We'll, we'll let you know when when you can get your hands on them. And then, of course, they time-traveled, so there was no possibility of them doing uh, that. But they've never bothered to ask again, either. Yeah, I, I have that problem with, you know, okay, you're on a shopping trip, either the Bureau game or the, the Time Lords and Magic game. Okay, you're back at what counts as your home base. You have supplies. What do you want? Uh, I'm like, really? You know the level of stuff I'm going to give you. And I'm just looking at them at the, around the table and leaving the silence on the Skype. I'm like, if this is the time you want something, now would be it to requisition it. You know, just because, <clears throat> I mean, they'll think of the things like, 
well, I do need to restock my spell components or I want to get, you know, more clips. Okay, fine, but have a little imagination. And for the Bureau, the Saturday Bureau game, I'm going to bring that up, having the, 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 the spy rats. I'm going to bring that up as something, I mean, I'll, I'll probably have to bring it, oh, yeah, well, these were just made and see if they take the bait, so to speak, because I know that there's a few characters that would like something like that. Just, oh, wait a minute, it's a, it's, it, it's a surveillance thing and it acts, looks and acts like a normal mouse? Yeah. <laughs> Professor Robertson's been hard at work again. <laughs> oh, I'll take two. Sorry, you can only have one. <laughs> or his daughter. <laughs> yeah, Ramona, yeah. I call her Raylene. Okay, all right. But yeah, it's... Because it's more of a play on... Yeah, yeah. His name. Uh, let's see. Yeah, explosives and bugs. Trying to see what other things you could put into, like, pens and whatnot. Hmm. Well, I mentioned it for all the way at the bottom, but skunk oil. Oh! Oh, a pen with a spray mechanism with butyl mercaptan. Oh, no. Oh, and yeah, that's like, that's as bad as getting the die pack in a bag of money from a bank. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that that person went by. Yeah. And, like, well, hey. well, because my apartment behind it is a county park. Plenty of wildlife. There's been more than a few times I've walked out the door and just, oh, skunk is in the parking lot. Yeah. Damn. Just, Okay. Yeah, so, oh no, a, a spray pen with that, ooh, oh, just no, I, I can even taste the stuff on my tongue now when I'm just thinking about it, ugh. Um, acid, uh, if you want to oh, destroy yeah. electronics, you just put it, let them put them into their um, computer case or whatever, it basically, you know, it, it just starts leaking acid, basically starts burning through plastic, burning through the... The and, electronics. They, and, and then they'll just chalk it up to until, well, they'll see the eaten pen and they'll just think it's the pen got eaten. They'd have to do nasty forensic stuff to realize, no, it was the pen that you picked up that had the acid. They may just think that the battery in their laptop started going away. Oh, oh yeah. 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 We have lots of cases where computers have caught on fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, let's see. Okay, our next, okay, we're now into the non-number. Now, I, I, I've seen certain things like this where there are certain games and I forget which game. But the next one here, always go last in initiative order. Nobody can stop your actions and you have the best chance of negating the actions of others. There was a game that, okay, you know, an OGL, whatever, you roll the d20, add your initiative modifier. Okay, 29, you go first, okay? What's your full round action? Move, move, or move standard or full round or whatever. And for the life of me, I can't remember the system that was you rolled first but acted last. So you would go to the lowest person's initiative and say, so if everyone at 29, this person rolled a two, you would ask what the one with the two initiative is doing first. I... For life of me, as I said, I cannot remember the system. This was a long time ago, but I do remember that they had that backwards initiative. Right. And the reason they're doing that is they want the people that are acting first not to be able to act on what what you know um, what the other people are doing. Usually in these kind of cases, things are happening almost simultaneously, and it's a metagaming thing to do this. But what happens is, is that as you go through the 
you know, as it goes to the initiative and people move around and stuff like that, the last person who goes has the best tactical information of anybody in, in the group because they have seen at what people are doing. They've seen them use their powers. The people who are the mages have identified themselves. The people that are fighters have identified themselves. You can see, you know, you know who's been injured. You know who on your team has been injured. You, you can make the best tactical decisions at that point. And a lot of times people are like, I want first shot. Well, okay, so you better... And if you're a fighter, maybe that, that's all that matters to you. But um, I think in a lot of cases, being able to make that last decision sometimes can make all the difference in the world. Because, you know, as we talked about, you know, in, uh, in D&D, if you're, a may, if you're a cleric, you know, if you go last, everybody who's gone down because of injuries, you can pop them back up with a, uh, a, a, a mass heal spell. And all of a sudden they're up ready to go the next round uh but if you if you had to go first then all that happened afterwards and maybe you'd be able to come in next round at the beginning and 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 be able to heal them all up at that point but you know a lot of times it doesn't work that way so i always like to delay you know so i have i can see what's really going on before i commit to doing something and it's funny we mentioned about going last initiative order. Again, the aforementioned Amber with her Water Priestess Fieria. Um, Actually, I, I think I told you this on that particular campaign. I threw in Weird Zone. So, I okay, one of the worlds. I put Warcraft as one of the worlds. I have the D20 books. Perky God knows about the world. Amber and Jeff were throwing stuff in. So, okay, fine. They're up in Northrend. And one of those ice blue dragons, I just used the white dragon stats. And it came down, and it was going to breathe down the icy breath, and most of the party would have died. But then Amber reminded me, Fieria held her action. I cast this fire spell. Okay, yep, well, now make a... Okay, make a reflex save against this dragon falling on you. <laughs> but she held her action, because she knew it's like, yeah, everybody has these distance attacks, and they're more powerful, but... Yeah, I'm just going to hold my action. I'm looking at her like, okay, what? And if she had not reminded me, and it would have come off bad because me and Gina are like the co-GMs. Our characters would have the ones that survived. And just, I'm, but yeah, Amber as the, because, I mean, she has attack spells, but she's always like, no, no, I just, I'm like a healer. I, I buff the characters, you know, I, that's all I do. And meanwhile, she's just throwing the pain and she has that look like, What? <laughs> Same thing as we all dodge the dragon, we're all just looking at her. <laughs> and again, it's like, what? <laughs> but that's because she held her action. She knew that she had these spells in reserve. And this was a decently sized white dragon. So she knew she had something. It was implosion. It was that, uh, the aforementioned concentration spell. She managed to get past the spell resistance and just took... It took enough damage to knock it unconscious and thud. <laughs> So yes, always not getting in the first shot. It, it, that's not always the best thing, folks. You know, just it's nice, but not always. You know, there, there's, there's um, patience is a virtue. Waiting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you have a boss type character, this is going to take a lot of a bunch of attacks for them to actually get knocked down. You get the chance to be the killing blow. You get to, you get to be the finisher. <laughs> Because oh, yeah. you don't get if you're the first person and you're up against high, you know, hit point or high 
um, defense type monsters uh, and opponents. Oh yeah, it, it it as I said, just I think we get so wrapped up in the initiative thing that we want to do it and get through because, you know, we what what's the thing about D and D where a five hour walk takes three minutes and a three minute take uh, three minute fight takes five hours. Right. They want to get through. It's almost become like a volume business. A lot of gamers are like, okay, yeah, let's kill them. Okay, fine, let's go. And even right. if it's not, um, you're not doing a dungeon crawl, you're in the wilderness or whatever, still it's just like, okay, we still have an objective. Let's take this monster out. Let's go. Come on. And yeah. certain times, you know, savor the moment. <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah. I, I just know that, you know, it, 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 I'm sure it all came out of Dungeons & Dragons because I know... That back in the day when we were playing and every round you re-rolled initiative, everybody wanted to always go first. I mean, it, 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 there was never any rhyme or reason about it. It's just you knew that you got to make an attack, you know, if you got to go first. You know, before the monster could put you down or, or anything else would happen, you know, uh, uh, darkness, blindness, whatever else that might be cast on you by an enemy, you know, you got you knew that if you got to go first, you got to do what you want to do. And I think, but it's, it's a false, I think it's a false uh, wisdom because um, you, you have no, t you have very poor tactical information at the beginning of the round. You have so much better at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But I understand why people, you know, cause they really, they're afraid that they're not going to be able to do anything if they wait, you know, and that's, that's why. Okay, so um, um, my turn. Uh, use mirrors. <laughs> people, you know, I, I'm, I'm amazed at the people that go popping their heads up and looking around for an opponent to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> it happens in every game that I've ever played in. And I'm like, okay, so if they're just holding their action, bang, <laughs> you just got shot. Yeah. You know? Or you're hoping that we're all jumping our heads up at the same time, you know, and, and you know, you get in these weird situations where people are, you know, um, uh, prairie dog and up and down. Everybody, yeah. one side is jumping up, jumping down, jumping up, jumping down. Nothing's happening because, you know, it's, it's, it's I don't know, it's like the, the cartoon where people are opening and shutting doors, looking out, and they're always missing the person they're trying to, yeah, trying yeah, to see. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it can get really, really funny that way. But it, as a, you know, in combat, you want to be you want to be able to know when your target's in sight. And so, using a mirror, which does not put at risk, unless of course they're using an energy weapon, and they manage to bounce yeah, it off the mirror. Yeah, that, there's that. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. I, I've I've yet to see someone actually pull that off. So a mirror on your weapon. Or, you know, in your hand can say, okay, my opponent is now in sight. Now I'll pop up, take my shot, and then drop down. They may not be able to get a return shot, or I'm getting, like, 90% cover now. I made my attack. I can't do anything more this round. Why should I stay out and be exposed to return fire when I don't have to be? But they do, you know. And another thing is if you set mirrors on your weapon so that they show behind you as well, you know, then, because uh, you can have it on your weapon and you can just stick it up there and, and angle it if you're laying down to see over the, the thing that you're hiding behind. But normally when you're up, 
you know, you don't need that, and it can then show you behind you. So if someone's coming up behind you or someone's taking a bead on you from behind you, then you can make the decision whether you want to finish the shot and hope they don't hit you or, again, drop down in the cover. So mirrors are great stuff. Yes. They're just not used for fooling Medusas anymore. Yes. <laughs> uh, we got well, that, for... that was a magic shield, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was it was um, uh, uh, it was Athena Shield. I believe it was called the Aegis. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, that was that was the fa- the thing the symbol the face that was on it. Yes, and it was her shield. So it was so it was basically a magic shield that he polished up real nice, and so he could see where the Medusa was. Okay. But his sword actually came from Zeus. Now, are you going by the old Harry Hamlin, or are you going by the later one with um? I'm going by the six books of mythology oh, okay, I read right. when I did um, um, Stone Killer in uh, uh, in one of my uh, in, in one of my post game supplements. Oh, okay, okay. I basically went and told the entire story of Medusa and Poseidon and all that bunch, you know, uh, as the backstory for what the events were that took place in that adventure, who she was, where she came from, you know. She's 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 uh, she really is a victim rather than a villain. Yeah. Now, she became, you know, a villain afterwards because in my story, she basically here's a here's a woman who anybody who looks at her face turns to stone. Well, nobody's she's she's not going to be welcome anywhere. Yeah. And you have to eat and stuff like that. So finally, she basically became an assassin, you know, for hire, and uh, you know. But then later on, you know, as as the as the uh, uh, I don't know the, the 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 power of the gods, the presence of the gods, you know, other gods came in and watered down their presence. Her her curses became weaker and weaker to the point where she became uh, just a very a very rich um, uh, assassin for hire, without you know, not not having to worry about turning people into stone. Uh, she could do that when she wanted to, but she didn't have to. Uh, so it became a, more of an ability rather than a curse. So, All right. Uh, anyways, but uh, I'm just saying is that's that's uh, mirrors are, are are good stuff. And of course, if you have any other mirrors in the in the in the place, like they, they did in uh, what was the movie uh, where they could make the bullets move? Um, uh, it, it was based upon a video game. Yeah, it was uh, James McAvoy, Morgan Freeman, Angelina Jolie. Bending right, the bullets. I think it was called Wanted. Yeah, I think you're right. It was Wanted, but you know, he, one of the things that he learned in his training was is that any reflective surface gives you tactical information. So he was looking at people, following him through reflections on storefronts and on the side mirrors of cars. You know, as he was walking along, even people's sunglasses were were giving him information. And by putting that all together, he had basically a 360 degree awareness of what was going on around him now obviously you know that you're talking epic level you know physical surveillance yeah point. but uh but i'm just saying but even in a, in a normal game just having you know having mirrors around can really make a big difference you know just look in the room are there reflective surfaces can you see people moving around in them you know that can you know that can tell you when you know when you see them moving around a lot like they're getting ready to jump up maybe that's the time for you to delay you know and come up and wait you know and when they pop up boom you get the 
you get the called shot, the uh, the the uh, you know uh, where they don't they don't, they don't, they don't you, know, you get to shoot before they get to shoot you. And if, if you're in a game where it only takes one bullet to kill somebody, that's a pretty sweet deal. Oh yeah. All right, so uh, we will return uh, next session with more of of what we consider to be helpful hints that can really turn the tide of the tactical situations in your games and things that your GM will not see coming. And if he doesn't see it coming, you know that his monsters, his, uh, the opponents that he's placed before you, probably won't see it coming. And it can really raise the uh, fun and, and excitement in your game uh, because, you know, surprises are good. And we will have more for you next week. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.